0: Yeah, there's quite often some colourful language as you're trying to sneak a break or something like that and the phone rings. Look, it's at times the phone never stops ringing and, you know, I'd do anything to smash it on the floor. But the reality is, is that we'll always answer the phone and I'd rather people calling than not calling.
1: You're listening to Fauna, a podcast by Zoos Victoria. Where we take you backstage at Hillsville Sanctuary, Melbourne Zoo and Werribee Open Range Zoo.
0: Um, my name is Mark Keenan, and I am the AGL Marine Response Unit Coordinator at Melbourne Zoo. MRU is the AGL Marine Response Unit, and we say response because rescue sort of has connotations that everything's about rescuing animals, but it's about welfare. So we address welfare issues in marine wildlife. Melbourne Zoo's occupied this space for a long time. For 30 odd years, we've always dealt with seals in distress, and when capacity existed, gone out and responded. That's always been on an ad hoc basis where we had capacity. So that's where the AGL-MIU came about, was that we got a corporate sponsor in AGL who funded a permanent position to do this very work. So currently the AGL-MIU is really focused on marine wildlife in distress, entangled, injured or otherwise across the state of Victoria where capacity exists, but more importantly and regionally
1: focusing on Port Phillip Bay. Hi. Mark's office in an old house on the grounds of Melbourne Zoo in Parkville is HQ. It's never quiet, and Mark has developed a talent for phone juggling. If he's not answering one of his two mobiles, or the landline on his desk, or the zoo radio, he'll be busy organising the next job.
0: So what I have to do now... So I have approval from... So
1: good luck if you want to interview him for a podcast.
0: So I just need to organise transport. Actually... Call Jane. From an OH&S perspective, you know we've got to pick up <laughs> Jane's calling me. Hi Jane, it's Mark here.
1: Hi Mark. Sorry for being impatient, but we're just waiting on the beach and I just don't know what we should be
0: doing. You were literally about to get a phone call. So I've spoken to Delp. I have approval from Delp to have the animal recovered. I've organized the necropsy. Um, and spoken to our vets. So we're all systems go to recover this animal to see exactly what's gone on. So I suppose all I just need to do now is try and organise appropriate transport. Um,
1: So today, he's had a call about a deceased seal on a Bellarine Peninsula beach about an hour and a half's drive from Melbourne. Mark needs to get the animal delivered to Melbourne Uni's vet school in Werribee. There, it will be necropsied. That's like an autopsy for animals. But first... Mark has to work out how to get the seal off the beach and adult Australian That's fur seals are big.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking yeah. it's going to be, what are we thinking, is it 100 kilos plus?
1: Yes, definitely at least 100 kilos. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I'm just thinking yeah. that it's probably best that I bring, say, a, a flatbed trailer down and, okay. and we use the front end loader to lift it straight onto the back of the trailer because they have a, a crane at the vet school that we can just basically attach a harness to and we don't actually have to lift this thing at all. So, does that sound yeah. feasible if I was sort of.? And that'd be four a bit of an issue
1: because it's quite a steep cliff onto the beach. Um, <laughs> but course. we might, the tractor might reach on the back of a trailer uh,
0: tray up there. So, I'm just asking our uh, tractor driver if he's going <laughs> to, if it's going to work. I like that it is chaos. At times, maybe it's a bit of an adrenaline junkie thing, but I like the fact that you can come in and you just don't know what's coming around the corner. There is no such thing as a typical day. You know, you can literally come into work and be gone. I start work at 7.30 in the morning and I can get a call at 8 o'clock and be in far-flung Victoria and get home at 10.30 at night. You know, that can be a day where I've gone up and rescued a seal at Port Ferry or the like. Some days, you know, you go into the office and it's just an office day and I won't get a call and I'll just work at sort of whatever, you know, answering emails and all the typical things of an office job. You know, it's writing protocols and and always looking at improving systems, occupational health and safety solutions to lifting wild animals across wild places and getting them back to the zoo safely and then being able to attend to them and getting them back out safely. So there's a lot of things that we have to overcome and that's my job. I have to be able to pull everything apart from go to woe and find solutions to do this job in the best interest of the animals but also in the best interest of the staff that do it at the zoo. Ready? All uh, right, let's do this.
1: But this audio is taken from a GoPro camera. MRU staff wear them whenever they're on location responding to beach calls. MRU staff James Uren and Christy Lawrence are on Karen Beach on Port Phillip Bay. They're collecting a male juvenile seal who's not looking good. Puncture wounds around his neck have become infected and developed into angry abscesses. At just 24 kilograms he is worryingly underweight. A healthy juvenile should weigh around 40 kilos. Hi, little buddy Come on, mister. Next stop is the vet hospital at Melbourne Zoo. Uh, Vets Kate Bodley and Sarah Frith are in surgery with a seal, now lying anaesthetised on the stainless steel table in the centre of the room. Mark is watching as Kate and Sarah assess their patient. They're all wearing surgical masks, so their voices are a bit muffled. Bear with us.
0: But this, yeah, I mean, this is important, but... I report that to counsel that likely being attacked by a dog in their bit. as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Did you catch that? Kate, Sarah and Mark reckon the seal's puncture wounds came from we a dog bite.
0: A of sort of yeah, all here. Matted the... fur, which, which suggests there's a penetrating wound. There, doesn't it? Go all the way yeah. around to there. Yeah, so maybe the dog's gone. Oh, poor thing. Grabbed it by the neck and the seal sort of fought it off. Yeah. Or, you know, run yeah. and uh, got back yeah. in the water. And... Um, you can't be 100% sure it's a dog,
1: but it's pretty suspicious, isn't it? But that's not the only thing the vets are treating. This seal also has a damaged right eye, and the prognosis is not good. Yeah, for us to treat that for a long, long time. I don't think you can have any guarantee that it's going to be a a good eye without complications in the long run. This young seal, um, unfortunately, it has what appears to be a blind eye, certainly an infected eye on one side, very, very painful. Um, and we wouldn't expect it to respond to normal treatment. If we did tr- have to try and treat it, we would have to restrain it four times a day, and even then, the prognosis is really quite poor. So, it's having a wild seal with a blind eye, no release potential, and we suspect that's why he's got these wounds around his neck, whether he's been munched by a dog or uh, another seal, pro- probably a dog, we think, from the way that they look. Um, so, that would be a secondary thing, so the eye would be the initial problems probably just from an eye trauma and it's become infected. Sorry little Sorry The kindest thing to do is to euthanase the seal.
0: Sometimes you're sort of going, you know, is it going to survive? Isn't it going to survive? What's the right thing to do by this animal? But in most cases, it's a pretty easy decision, even though deciding, you know, about the outcome of an animal's life is never easy, but it's an easy decision. You know, you know what's appropriate for that animal. I think the hardest ones are always the ones where you, you know that in some way humans are the cause of this. And the character of these animals is undeniable. They're so stoic and they're so beautiful in all cases and they're so innocent. So, you, you know, sometimes you have this animal, this small animal, in care and it's got these horrible human-caused injuries and you know full well that you have to euthanize it and it's just just such a waste and it, that's pretty distressing. If it's the right thing to do by that animal, you know, it makes the decision easier, but if you know that it's only because of selfishness of humans... And I'm talking about things like dog attack and... You know, it's hard to say that that's a deliberate thing, but people, when they walk dogs on beaches, have a responsibility for other beach users, humans and, and wildlife. And we've had situations where people in areas where they shouldn't even have dogs on a beach have had their dogs attack seals, and then when you approach those people, they aren't even they don't care. They think it's an entitlement that they can walk their dog on the beach and they've done it forever and they should be able to do it, and, you know, so be it that... My dogs attack some wildlife, and that sort of stuff is really hard because you know you're dealing with these beautiful animals. But humans aren't always the bad guys. You know, I start at seven thirty in the morning, and I my first thing is to walk over the phone and and pick it up. And on that morning, there was a missed call at sort of five thirty, and I thought, what? So I called the gentleman, and he was a council worker, and he had been out on the beach in St Kilda and come across this penguin. And he said to me, mate, I've got this penguin. It's got a wing injury do you want to come down and meet me? So I organised to meet him and it was still sort of 8.30 in the morning and this big, robust guy came out and sort of led me over to his truck and opened the door and, and pulled out a box. And I opened the box and in the box was a chicken nugget and <laughs> and a penguin. And I looked at the penguin and the penguin was quite bright. So typically when people pick up these animals on beach, they're so compromised You know, they tend to be recumbent. They're laying down. They look terrible. But this bird looked quite bright and sort of stared up at me and sort of, you know, made a bit of a hop towards the top of the box. But what was really noticeable was that it wasn't a flipper injury at all. It was just missing a flipper. And there wasn't blood and there wasn't gore or anything like that. It was just literally this cleanly cut flipper completely disappeared and this penguin just sort of staring up at me. So instantly I thought wow, that's not great for you, but the bird seemed so comfortable and, and, and not in distress, and I just thought, wow, what a tough little thing, you know. Maybe there's hope for you. He came back to the zoo, and everyone was just sort of, couldn't believe this animal's demeanour, you know. It was it was quite bright. They put it in a pool, it had a swim, and they went, well, let's have a look exactly what sort of damage has been caused here. The bird itself was over a kilo, so it was really good weight. So the suggestion was that it was only a really recent injury and that it was a very clean injury. It looked like a shark or some other predator had literally just bitten this thing straight
1: off. So here's a plucky animal, but it only had one flipper. Its ability to forage and avoid predators was seriously compromised. Releasing it back into Port Phillip Bay would almost certainly result in a short life. So what to do? Was it fair to bring a wild
0: penguin into the zoo? And that's a really important question. And we went, okay, well, in order for it to come into the zoo, we need to know that it can live a full life. It can do everything that we didn't expect a wild penguin to do within the limitations of a wall. So obviously, you know, it can't forage, but we we want it to be able to find a mate. We want it to be able to defend itself against other males. We want it to be able to swim. We want it to be able to dive. We want it to be able to do all those natural penguin behaviours in a captive environment. And there was some question about whether it would even be able to do that. So after some of the surgery things, we stabilised the penguin. We went, can it swim? Can it dive? And it just kept ticking boxes. Within a couple of days, he was eating from a human hand. You know, you could walk over and pick him up. And it wasn't even from the the injuries. You know, it wasn't because he was so out of it. He just really was relaxed. And that was a huge tick as well, because, you know, we thought he can do everything that will make him a penguin and have him have a good life, but also... He just seems to be really comfortable with the whole process. And so once he ticked all those boxes and everyone was sort of in agreement that, you know, can we do this, we brought the animal into the care and thankfully he's doing really well.
1: Sometimes the MRU has to grapple with some really tough decisions. There was the case of the bright-eyed seal pup found on Gunnamatta Beach, which had been separated from its mother. It still haunts Mark. When we first found it on the beach... You know, it was sort of lying there, and we're like, "Is it
0: alive?" And then we would sort of clap, and you know, and it was a, it was a baby. You know, and it'd wake up and be like, eh, what? Yeah. "This was a, a little black pup. So, also Australian fur seals. When they're born, they're black, and then they molt their pup coat three months later and go to the sort of grey, creamy pelage that you see. But this was a little black pup on a beach that was bleating at people and following hey, them down the beach. So we went down to see it. Hey, little seal. You know, sure enough, it was this quite energetic little thing. So this here animal is now at Gunnamatta Beach in the peak of summer, going, is mum going to return here and feed me on Gunnamatta Beach for the next six months? You know, and it's really unlikely. And if it was, the management of that pup in that environment and keeping people at bay and keeping dogs at bay and keeping everything going so that mum would be confident enough to return, we were like going oh, my God, this is horrible. But on the flip side, the only other thing we can do is take you back to the zoo and have you euthanized. So we looked at it and went, I can't bring myself to do that. Let's hope that mum comes back and feeds it and we see what happens. So we had lots of discussions with vets and government and everyone and decided to leave it be at that point. Eventually, we do know that that pub got further down and it went all the way from Gunnamatta down into the national park at Point Nepean and continued down the coast and then disappeared and probably met a natural end. It was the most difficult situation decision-wise, not the most confronting situation I've had, but the most difficult situation because I, this beautiful little animal, and Seal's a beautiful... All the time, but when you're that innocent and you're just like this little lamb bleating at you and following you down the beach, yeah, you know, I think it was really hard leaving that animal on the beach. It would have been ten times harder for me to pick that animal up, putting it in the back of the car, knowing that I would have to pick that animal up, take it out, hold it down while we sedated that animal and then euthanized it. And I just yeah, I don't. That would have probably broken my heart, so I just couldn't do it. I think everyone probably has this illusion that this job is the sexiest job at Zoos Victoria. And let's be honest, it's a very sexy workplace, but apparently my job is the top of the tree. But anyone who's had any contact with it quickly realises that it it is is not. It really is a, a very tough job. It's very emotional at times, and ultimately you're dealing with the welfare of animals. I wish I was going out there and just tearing plastic bags off animals day in, day out. But, you know, the reality is, is that we get very few of those sorts of moments.
1: Remember our friend, the one-winged penguin? Well, he's now settled in to Melbourne Zoo's wild seas enclosure. All right, so my name is Jose Gomes. I'm a animal keeper at Wild Sea. So I'm looking after the seals and the penguins today. And this morning we have a penguin check. To get a clean bill of health, the one-winged penguin needs the vet to confirm that the ulcers on the soles of his feet have healed. The condition, known as bumblefoot, was an unavoidable side effect of the young penguin spending more time on his feet and less time swimming while he recovered from his wing injury. But first, Jose and his colleague James have to get him out of the water. Um,
0: yeah, they're loving it this morning. We're all
1: swimming together out here, having a good time. Yeah, we love it, dude, when, when, when they go uh, for a swim. We want them to swim as much as possible. Because penguins don't eat chicken nuggets, sorry to the well-meaning council worker, keepers use fresh pilchards to lure the penguins out of the water. It works every time. So
0: Joe has got a little one-winged bird, so it might just chuck him in a
1: pet. Home, yeah? With the one-winged penguin in a carry box, Jose heads inside to meet vet Michael Lynch. All right, so I'm gonna pick up uh, the one-winged
0: penguin. Yeah. Um, so when he, he had to have a period out of water uh, when he was up at vet's because he had the, the wound, and uh, so that's
1: it. wow-wee. Aren't you lucky? Well, I
0: don't know if I need to take a picture, Jose. It looks so, lovely. Yeah, beautiful. That's Socky. good news. <laughs> have a feel of your feet there. <laughs> And his feet are basically perfect. Awesome. Yeah, that is
1: awesome. So this gives Mark a marine response story with a
0: happy ending. Yeah, hopefully he'll breed and bring wild genetics into, into captive populations, which is always a good thing, and tell this amazing story for, for hopefully many years to come at Melbourne Zoo. As a really passionate conservationist and animal lover, there's nothing better than actually being able to help an animal that
1: needed your help. And even though Mark's phone is always ringing off the hook, he still wants you to call. We live in a very large state with a very large
0: coastline and we can't be ever at once. So we completely rely on people reporting animals. Yeah, that's the most important thing. If you do come across wildlife, please report it and don't ever feel... Sometimes people report things that don't need to be reported, their natural behaviours. But it's great. I always thank them. I always say, you know, that's great. I'm really glad that you called it in because you cared enough to think that that animal needed help doesn't matter that it doesn't. Thank you, because the last thing you want them to do is go, I'm not going to call again because I feel embarrassed. Because, yeah, it's really important that people are involved
1: in this program. If you're in Victoria and come across an injured marine animal that you think might need help, the AGL-MRU phone number is 1300 AGL-MRU or 1300 245 678. If you're listening from outside Victoria... Your state or territory government is the best place to get information on what to do for injured marine wildlife in your local area. And remember, keep your distance. These are wild animals. Stay 30 metres from seals on beaches and 5 metres from seals on man-made structures. And ultimately, prevention is more important than cure. A marine response unit is a really important thing,
0: but ultimately it's a really ineffective way to go about doing things. The disease and cure analogy, I suppose, you know, the only way that we can really help animals is to stop things from the get-go. Running around and trying to help animals that are already really impacted is just really high energy, low yield. So the education stuff is super important. We try and tell as many stories as we can because it's the only way that we can really effectively change behaviour.
1: So let's try to keep our marine wildlife safe and healthy and maybe stop Mark's phone from ringing so often. Remember to keep your dog on a leash and keep your local beach free of litter. Mark has a few people he wanted us to thank. Zoos Victoria's AGL Marine Response Unit couldn't do the vital work it does without its corporate sponsor AGL and the support of the Victorian Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning, Parks Victoria and the Victorian Fisheries Authority. The MRU is also grateful for the Volunteer Rescue Services, especially Southern Peninsula Rescue and Apollo Bay Ocean Rescue, which provide the boats and crews that allow MRU staff to get out on the water. The selfless work of wildlife carers must also be highlighted and given thanks. And thanks from us to Mark Keenan for letting us follow you around all day. And thanks to James Uren, Christy Lawrence, Jose Gomes, Dr Michael Lynch, Dr Sarah Frith and Dr Kate Bodley for your input into this episode. Fauna is produced by Bridie Smith and Beck Fari for Zoos Victoria. Hosted by Annie Last. For more episodes and information on how to subscribe, head to zoo.org.au slash fauna. Zoos Victoria operates three campuses, Hillsville Sanctuary, Melbourne Zoo and Werribee Open Range Zoo and is a zoo-based conservation organisation fighting extinction to secure a future rich in wildlife.